Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This week, we are continuing our, our series called Healed. And what we're looking for in, in during this time together is for God to heal us. That a- after all that we've been through the le- in the last few years, as, as we've walked through these seasons of, of isolation and these seasons of social distancing and seasons of, of worry and fear and the unknown and, and having to hear the phrase, we've never seen this before so many times in the toll. I'm just going to move the music stand so I can see you. Um, so we can go, as we go through these seasons where, where it's been an unprecedented season that none of us have ever lived before. As things start to change, and in theory, as things start to open up, and things start to return back to normal, whatever, whatever that looks like, it can be tempting, it can be, be, almost seem like the right thing to do in our lives, to just charge forward in life, just to be like, let's go, things are back to normal, let's just celebrate, and let's just go. Um, you can learn to walk on a broken leg. Um, you, can, you can figure it out, that you can break your leg and, and you can learn to walk on it and you can learn to try and move and you can learn how to compensate, but it's better to get that leg healed before you walk on it. it it's better to move forward in health than just to try and figure out how to move forward with a broken leg. It's better to figure out how to, or to, to move forward in a, from a healthy place than it is to just try and figure out how to deal with our unhealthiness and try and figure out how to compensate for that. And so what we're doing is we're looking for God to bring healing and wholeness to us in this time so that from here we can walk forward in a new and a fresh way, that we don't have to live the rest of our lives walking with a limp because of all the things we dealt with. We don't have to live the rest of our lives with, with, with a, a scars and hurts and pain that we've just learned how to deal with. But we could move forward in health because the Lord has healed us. And this week, um, we're going to look at one of the areas in our lives that has been put under the largest amount of stress and strain over the last couple of years. Relationships. Um, Anybody here have a relationship that's been strained over the last two years? You don't have to raise your hand because the person might be sitting next to you. Anyway, put your hand down. We don't want them to know. Um, We all have. Anybody here lost friends over the last two years? Again, don't raise your hand because they might be on the other side of the room. He's talking about us. Um, But we were away this week, Yvonne and I had the opportunity to be at Pastors' Convention for Foursquare Gospel Church of Canada, and I want to say thank you for entrusting us and allowing us to take that time to be away. We're so grateful for our church family. But as we talked with other pastors and we talked with people that were at this convention, just the overwhelming sense 
of, of hurt that people have walked through, the challenges that people have faced. The, you know, as, as you're talking with pastors, the people who've left their congregations, the hurt, the, ch- the relationships that have been frayed, it's a real thing. And our relationships have been put through the ringer the last couple of years. Lockdowns where you were forced to be home. And suddenly that space that helped your marriage be all right wasn't permitted to be there anymore. And it put you under strain that you had to be together all of the time. That space that allowed you to have a good relationship with your kid because, hey, they go to school every day. Well, now not only are you their parent, you're kind of their teacher, you're their tech support, you're all of the things, and all of a sudden there's just pressure cookers. Or opinions on everything. There is nothing that people don't feel passionate about. Opinions on everything. I, could li- I had contemplated listing off some of the things, but I don't want to have fights in church. And if I start listing off some things, somebody might say amen, and somebody else might, you don't say amen to that. There are passionate opinions surrounding everything. Maybe, or maybe it's, it's because you've just felt let down by the people around you. People that you thought you could count on. People who always, are promised to always be there for you. Then when you needed them, maybe they weren't. Maybe even as far as betrayed by people around you. They, they betrayed me. I was betrayed by people, by their choices. Maybe you've had close people in your life that for one reason or another say... We can't be friends anymore. We don't want you in our lives anymore. Or I'm moving on. I'm moving on to a new season in life, and, and that just can't include you anymore. Maybe it's been the distance of the last couple of years that, that have, has created in your life, and, and you feel as if you've been out of sight, out of mind for, for too many people. And maybe you feel like you, you've become invisible. I could use my entire time to talk about ways that your relationship could have been hurt during this time. And so we're going to stop there. But know that if I didn't say, and you think, well, you didn't mention what's happened to me, that counts too. However your relationships have been hurt, that counts too. And today I want to talk about what it means for God to bring miraculous healing in the relationship with our lives. But this is kind of an interesting place to start because when God brings healing to our relationships, when God brings healing to, to our relations with someone else, a relationship that's been hurt, it looks a little different than what we think of when we traditionally talk about healing. That if I talk to you about, we want to pray for healing for you and you've got a broken leg, we all know what we're praying for. For, for that bone to be healed, to be put back together, that, that you would come in on crutches or in a wheelchair and you'd leave and we could put the crutches against the wall or the wheelchair over there to say, see, look, look at the healings that have taken place. But relational healing looks different than that. See, oftentimes we want it to look the same. See, what I want is that for my relationships that have been strained, I want to pray 
And I want to all of a sudden miraculously see that there's an appointment in my calendar to go for dinner with the friends I've lost. And then I go see them and, Bruh! and it's like there's just nothing has happened. It's healed. It's miraculously restored. It's been miraculously just put together. But that's not what the healing of a relationship looks like. Maybe it is, but probably not. The rightness, the correctiveness, the healing that will usually come from a deep and corrective work inside of us. That as I come to God and say, God, would you heal this broken relationship? I want God to fix them. Because that's probably where the problem lies for most of us. It's with them. They need to change. God, change their hearts. And we're going to have time later on to actually pray for our friend. Not today, a whole other service. We're going to talk about praying for people in our lives who need healing. But when we have a broken relationship, usually it's their fault. Usually. I don't know who your they is, but typically we see it as their fault. But when we come to God and we say, God, would you heal our relationships? God doesn't miraculously always just do a work in them. But God wants to do a work in us. Because even though I may think it's their fault, God needs to heal me to begin this process. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a story from, from the book of Genesis. If you've got your Bibles, you can go to Genesis chapter 32. Um, chapter 32 and 33 is where we're going to be this morning. I mean, it's a story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Two brothers that were born into conflict. In fact, when their mom is pregnant with them, God speaks and tells them that even in the womb, these two brothers are in conflict with each other. And as their lives develop, there's just going to be increasing conflict between these two brothers. And the story of, of Jacob and Esau, it reads like a soap opera. Um, it is a wild story that you can take time to read. There's deception, there's lies, there's trickery, there's all kinds of things that go on. There's theft. It's all kinds of crazy things. But the brothers were born to Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham, who was also known as Abram. And that's where God began his covenant with people. So God begins his covenant with, with humanity, with Abram, later changes it to Abram, Abraham. Abraham has a, has a son named Isaac, and there's all kinds of stuff around that. But Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And when Isaac is nearing death, he desires to give Esau, the older of the two brothers, his blessing. Now, we, we don't necessarily understand or are fully tracked with the idea of what it means to bless your kids. Um, you know, bless you, my son. That that's not what we're talking about. That, that when we say giving you a blessing, at the end of the service, I will read the priestly blessing or the Aaronic blessing. That's, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about, like, in the Bible, giving blessing. Essentially, when they talk about that, that, uh, uh, that Isaac wanted to bless Esau, it really means, like, to give him his inheritance. To, to, to step out of the way in the family line and invite him into now being the head of the family, putting the next in line in place as the head of the family. So, so everything that was your father's becomes yours. 
So all of his possessions, all of his wealth, all of his servants, all of his livestock, all of the things that make him him, they, they get passed on to you. So it's not that he was just wanting to bless his, his son, but it was that he was really wanting to pass his life on to the next in line. And, and usually, pretty much universally, um, this was given to the firstborn son. And in, case, and in this case, that's Esau. But that's not what happens here. See, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, has a favorite son. And it's not Esau. And Jacob has a favorite son. Or sorry, not Jacob. Isaac has a favorite son. And it's not Jacob. And together, Jacob and his mom, they make a plan to deceive their husband, to deceive their father, Isaac, so that this blessing, so that this inheritance, so that this passing on of the family line that began with God is, is, is tricked into giving being given to Jacob, not Esau. Imagine the shock and the horror that Esau feels when he learns of his deception. His father gives his younger brother everything. And this means that Esau is left with nothing. Nothing. He's got nothing. The only thing he can do is like live with his younger brother who's now over him who's now in authority over him, who now has all of his stuff and he's got nothing. And so Esau is crushed, rightfully. He, he, he's hurt, he's hurt, and it boils into a rage. His, his brother has done something unforgivable and he becomes angry and his rage begins to turn into not just thoughts but starts to transition into action. And he makes a plan to kill his brother. Because it's the only way he can get back what's rightfully his. But before he can do anything, Jacob learns of Esau's plotting. And again, at the direction of his mom, who's, he's still his mom's favorite, and mom's still looking after her baby boy, he goes to live with his uncle. He flees in the middle of the night to go and live in his uncle, live with his uncle. And he lives with his uncle for about 20 years past, or about 20 years. There he marries, and he marries again. The sister of his first wife, the woman he wanted to marry in the first place. Remember, I said it's like a soap opera. This is days of our lives kind of stuff here. Like it, is, it is a crazy story. But this is where we come to Genesis 32. Genesis 32, and we're going to talk about this a little more in a minute, but, but God shows up in the life of Jacob. Genesis 32 begins with telling us that Jacob meets with God. We don't get any account of what took place during this encounter. It's just one verse that says Jacob met with actually some angels from the Lord. But we see that out of this encounter, out of this moment, things change dramatically for Esau. We read, if we jump down to verse 5, we discover that, that Jacob realizes that he needs to make things right with his brother. In his words, Jacob will say, now I'm sending message to my Lord. That's him writing to his brother, writing to Esau. Jacob says, now I'm sending this message to you, Esau, that I may find favor in your eyes. I'm writing you this. I'm writing you like an apology note. 
an apology letter. I'm writing you to try and make things right. This is, this is like the Bible way of saying, I want to mend the relationship when he says, I want to find favor in your eyes. That's, it's like the, the way that we would read them. I want to make things right. I want to go, I will not go back to the way things were. I want to go back to a place where things are actually kind of good. It's time to make things right. It's time to ease the tension, to bury the hatchet, to make up. And, and we see that Jacob sends a messenger to his brother informing him of his desire to make things right. Esau, though, doesn't send a messenger back. In fact, he doesn't even really send a message with that messenger. What we read is the messenger hurries back to Jacob and says, we went to your brother Esau... And now he's coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. It's not a forgiveness party. I brought 400 men with me to help me forgive you. Friends, he's bringing an army with him. He's bringing everything he's got to go respond to his brother's offer to make things right. And when Jacob hears of, of Esau's response to this, to this bringing back together, this reconciling, that it's an army, of course he's fearful. He knows his brother's going to come and kill me. See, Jacob knew what he did. And he knows what he did was wrong. Throughout the whole story, we're never given any indication that Jacob thought he was justified. Jacob just wanted it and went and took it. And he, he was hoping that time heals all wounds. I, I know you've heard that phrase. Time heals all wounds. If we just give it time and space, it'll be okay. And he was hoping that that's what would happen with his brother. But he sends a message to his brother, I want to come and meet you and make things right. And his brother responds with an army. It sure looks like Esau is still upset. That night before going to meet with Esau, um, Jacob decides that, that he needs to spend this, this night alone. But in the middle of the night, there's this moment where we discover that, that he literally wrestles with God. And God blesses him and changes his name to Israel. And it's this very incredibly encouraging moment where God takes this, this person who has been nothing but despicable for the entire story that we've read so far and chooses to work through him, and chooses to change him, and chooses to work through this identity, even of this, this man. But it also says that, that, that he touches Jacob's hip and gives him a limp, a permanent reminder of the change that's taken place. That he can no longer walk the same. He can no longer be the same. He may be the same person, but he's got a new name, and he's got a new walk. And the walk will serve as a reminder of God's change in his life. And the next morning, Jacob knows Esau with his 500 men are coming for him. Can you imagine what's going through Jacob's mind? Maybe he's sitting there reflecting on all of the choices that have brought him to this moment. Thinking back to when they were kids and he used to be a real jerk to his big brother. When he, when he stole his birthright, when he tricked him into giving him, uh, giving him his birthright, as he tricked his father, uh, he's reflecting on everything. Maybe his whole life is flashing before his eyes. Maybe, maybe he can't even really think about any of those things. All he can dwell on is 
In about an hour, I'm going to be dead. It's drama at its best. But in, Act, or in Genesis 33, we finally get to this long-awaited moment where the brothers come together. We see Esau and Jacob finally come together. We read this. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. This moment of fear and dread and worry and all that's about to take place in the life of these two brothers, Jacob, I am about to die. And then we read Esau runs out to meet Jacob. Jacob, he's going to do it. He's going to kill me. He throws his arms around his neck and he kissed him. They wept. 20 years of anger and hostility. 20 years of, of simmering, boiling rage. And yet, they hug it out. They cry it out. Only God can change people like that. Only God can do that. See, as we look at healing broken relationships, this is the moment we long for. This is the moment we strive for. That God can heal my broken relationship and after all the time and hurt and difficulty and pain that we've experienced, that we don't come together and start throwing hands. We can come together, we can hug each other, we can cry together. Because God has brought us together. Because God has brought us together, we can, can work things well. See, prayer and reconciliation are two of the greatest needs of the church. The lack of prayer robs us of the power of God, and the absence of rec reconciliation robs the church of the power of unity. From this story, there's seven things that I want to highlight for you. Seven, seven moments, seven, seven things on display that as we walk through this story, we can see for our own relationships. And with those, I'm going to ask you seven questions as we move through this. And the, the, the question may help push you a little bit to know and to understand maybe some areas where, where maybe we need the Lord to work in us. So the first thing that we need to know is that healing broken relationships begins with God. If we go back to the beginning of this story, see, Jacob had no intention of reconciling with his brother. It wasn't what he set out to do. It wasn't like that this was the plan. But we read in, in Genesis 32, verse 1, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now, we're not told what the angels say to Jacob. We're not told how long they met for. We're not told what took place. But what we do know is it's this moment where suddenly Jacob's heart towards his brother is changed. And instead of, of trying to hide and instead of just saying, I'm good living with Uncle Laban, his heart is changed and he decides in this moment, I need to go and make things right 
with my brother, to, to admit I was wrong, to, to make amends. And we do know that it wasn't Jacob's idea. This wasn't on his radar, but God meets him. And suddenly now, Jacob's new priority is making things right with his brother. I believe that God works the same way in our lives. That when we seek to enter his presence, he, he reveals to us those relationships that are, are broken and, and shows us that we need to make them right. See, seeking God means making things right with other people. It means that. that it, the closer we get to God, the more God is going to want us to make things right with other people. And here's the question for you. Could it be that the reason we struggle to pray is because we know God will reveal those people we need to make reconciliation with? Could it be that the reason we don't want to be silent with God is because we know that we might hear God speak to us and might speak to us about the people with which we need to set things right? Second thing we need to know about healing broken relationships Healing broken relationships is vital to growing with God. These angels showed up for a reason. They just weren't out for a picnic and Jacob stumbled across them. They, they came to Jacob. They came to speak to Jacob. They came to talk to him about his brother. And I believe that the reason why is because God wanted to get a hold of Jacob. But the only way that he could get things right, the only way that he could, could make things right with God is that he had to go make things right with his brother first. If you want a relationship with God, you have to have healing in our relationships with one another. You can't live in harmony with your heavenly father until you're living in harmony with your human brothers and sisters. Broke, broken ties with one another not only hurt our relationship with one another, but it hurts our relationship with God. I know that sounds backwards. I know that we might say, no, I just need to press into God and he will give me what I need to go heal my brother or go heal my relationships. But let's look at what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 5. He will say this, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you've come to the temple to worship God, if, you, if you're coming to, to grow and to encounter the presence of God in the temple, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So not even you remember somebody that you've got something against, but you remember, oh, I did them dirty. I, I did them wrong. Your brother or sister has something against you. Well, finish up with the Lord, and then he'll empower you to go make things right. That's not what Jesus says. If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. Jesus, he's talking about coming to worship. And if you're coming to worship God and somebody has ill will or hard feelings against you, stop what you're doing. Go to that person and make it right. Seek relationship healing. Look for, to set that relationship right, then come back and meet with God. Here's the question for you. Could it be that the reason you are struggling to connect with God, that perhaps you feel distant from God, 
where you feel like your prayers are going unanswered is because we haven't reconciled with our brother or our sister. Number three, healing broken relationships needs action. See, after meeting with the angels, after being confronted with the presence of God, Jacob knew that he had done something wrong, and now he knows he needs to go and make it right. He couldn't just trust that time would heal all wounds. He wouldn't just trust that if we don't talk about it for like a while, maybe he won't be so mad at me anymore. He couldn't just let time heal all wounds, but he needed to do something. He needed to take initiative. He needed to move forward. Taking the initiative is imperative in relational healing. Restoring broken relationships, talked about it. It's like mending a broken leg. If your arm or if your leg is broken, you go to a doctor so they can set it right, put a cast on it so healing can take place. Broken relationships like broken legs are never fully properly healed accidentally. They require purpose and intentional action. See, we may try to deny the pain or ignore the split. We may think that times heals all wounds, but it, it only moves the pain below the surface. Again, Jesus talked about this. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says this. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. If there's something you need to talk to someone about, we don't just pray that they would come talk to us about it. But if there's something that we need to talk to somebody else about, something that's taken place inside of relationship, something that's taken place that's caused a fracture or a stress inside of our relationship, Jesus says, go talk to them about it. Don't just hope that something happens. Go and make something. So often many of us might resort to our junior high ways of dealing with things when someone is hurt or offended us as we, we tell everyone else our side of the story to try and make us feel better or to try and make us feel right or, or to make us feel like our anger is what's supposed to be there. But we never go to the person who offended us. That we'll talk to everybody else about what's gone on, but we don't dare talk to the person. And that, that needs to stop. We need to be able to be open and honest with each other. We need to be able to communicate. Jesus doesn't say, go and if, if you think they'll listen, go talk to them. Is just go and talk to them. Could it be that some of our relationships are lived in this grinding silence because we're unwilling to take the initiative in beginning the process of healing? Number four, healing relationships will only come out of prayer. When Jacob was about to meet with his brother, he stops and prays. Genesis 32, verse 9. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. Jacob stops and he has this moment where he just, I need to stop and I need to pray. See, the healing process is not a cakewalk. It will often be messy. See, 
Things that need healing are things that are broken. Makes sense. If it's not broke, don't fix it. If it's broke, it needs fixing. And broken relationships are broken relationships because they're not healthy. They're not clean. Hearts have been hardened. Feelings have been hurt. Emotions are on edge. Wounds are gaping. God needs to soften the hearts to ease the emotions, to heal the wounds, to bring understanding to everybody involved. And no greater power is available for that to happen than prayer. See, prayer changes them, but prayer changes us. Here's the question. Does your heart need to be softened so that the healing inside of your broken relationships can occur? Number five, just a few more. Healing broken relationships means humility. We read this, we read, when Jacob went on to meet Esau, it says that he himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. That he would take a step and he would bow down and then take another step and bow down. Take another, that he was doing everything in his power to demonstrate physically, even physically, I, I am sorry, I am repentant, I am terribly sorry. This is a, a posture of humility. Jacob was humbling himself before his brother. He, he came with the right spirit and the right attitude, acknowledging that he had done something wrong, that he was at fault, that as he walked towards his brother, he kneeled or he bowed down again and again to say like, in case you missed it the first five times, I really am sorry. In case you missed it that sixth time, I really really am sorry. For healing to take place inside of a relationship, it, it requires us to be humble, to live with humility, to be willing to say, I, I'm, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Humility is a common theme all throughout Scripture when, when God tells us how he wants us to live. He again and again tells us that, that if we don't walk humbly, it not only allows fractured relationships to continue, but actually when we choose to not embrace humility, when we choose to walk without humility, it tells us that we're put in opposition of God. Scripture will say, God opposes the proud, but gives his favor to the humble. That if we want to have God's favor on our side, we have to walk with humility. So what would it take, or what steps do you need to take that would communicate humility to the person you're estranged from? Number six, healing broken relationships means that we have to be humble. Wait, we just did that one. I think I did the... So, that word humble there, it's the Greek word for vulnerable. Um... No, actually, it's just supposed to say vulnerable. I typed it wrong. Um, but healing broken relationships means that we have to be vulnerable. When the two brothers finally meet, they come together face to face. One of them has an army behind him. What takes place? We read it earlier. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him and they wept. As Jacob approaches his brother... Esau throws his arms open, 
at the, as he gets closer and closer to his brother. Not exactly a defensive posture. Not exactly doing everything. This person has been terrible to them their entire lives. And he's lied to them over and over and over again. So there's no reason for Esau in this moment to be like, he's just not trying to trick me. But Jake, or Esau comes to Jacob and he opens his arms to him and exposes himself up to his brother. Healing broken relationships. Our broken relationships will never heal until the heart is exposed. Now here's the rub. Whenever you expose your heart, you stand the chance of having your heart broken again. See, Esau, as he stretched his arms out to hug his brother, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame that he, he opened himself up again to, to Jacob doing Jacob's stuff. But he opened himself up, made himself vulnerable, and his brother had changed. People will let you down, they'll disappoint you, they'll trample your emotions, and it's easier, it's safer to just not put yourself out there like that for them to do that again. But here's the question, do you go through life safe from the harmful hurt others could cause, but be cut off from the relationships that give you love, life, and joy? Number seven, healing broken relationships begin with forgiveness. See, we read that Jacob initially sent a note to his brother saying, I want to find favor in your eyes. He sought peace. He desired to put the past behind him. He humbled himself before Esau. He opened his heart. He wanted more, or he wanted most of all forgiveness from his brother. For forgiveness is not optional in healing a broken relationship. Forgiveness involves letting go so you can get on with the rest of your life. As Jacob and Esau begin to heal their relationship, Esau notices that Jacob's brought all of this stuff with him. He's brought all of this stuff with him to, to, to come and meet his brother. And in verse 8 of, of 33, he says, What is the meaning of all these flocks and herds that I met? Jacob says, to find favor in your eyes. I, I, I want to give you all of this stuff. I'm trying to make things right. Here, here's cows and here's camel and here's sheep. And here, I'm trying to do what I can to make things right. To use whatever I got to try and make things right. Verse 9. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. You don't need to do all of these things to try and, and make things right. I, I forgive you. Forgiveness means that we're not going to require money, words, or actions as payment. It means that there'll be no continuing resentment or bitterness. It doesn't mean you need to. Forgiveness means I am going to. To forgive someone is not to say, these are the things you do, need to do in order to obtain my forgiveness. Forgiveness looks like me saying, I am going to forgive you. Esau didn't have a list of demands that Jacob needed to fulfill to earn his forgiveness. He wasn't looking for Jacob. He didn't sit down and count the camels to see how sorry he really was. Sit down and count the sheep to see how sorry he really was. He said, I don't need any of that. Esau knew that that Jacob's forgiveness wasn't for Jacob. 
Jacob's forgiveness was for Esau. So here's the question. Do you think it's time to let go of those past hurts? In our story today, Jacob acknowledges his wrong and he looks to reconcile with Esau. And Esau forgives Jacob. In this story, we we get a glimpse of God and his heart for our broken relationships. Take a look at what Jacob says to Esau after Esau's kindness and forgiveness. He says to his brother this, If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. Now listen to this. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. If you want to know what the face of God looks like, go forgive your brother or sister. You want to know what the, that allows them to see the face of God. You want to see the face of God? Go ask your brother or sister for forgiveness. Hear them say, you are forgiven. When forgiveness is extended to, the, to, to our brothers and sisters who have wounded us, we look like God. We, look like the, we are the face of God in their lives. We see what God looks like. If we think about it, we've, we've broken our relationship with God time and time again. We sin. We hurt God greatly with our disobedience, with our rebellion, with our choices that continually push us further away from him. See, God doesn't have to forgive us. In fact, he could have just as easily held a grudge and punished us for eternity. But like Esau, God comes through his son Jesus Christ embracing us calling us brother and sister and saying, I forgive you. I don't hold your sins against you. I want to walk with you and I want to be your friend. As God has forgiven us, we need to forgive those who've hurt us and to look to find forgiveness for the hurt that we've caused. As God has reconciled with us, we need to reconcile with others. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we, or that you know as well as any of us ever will the pain that comes from people, the hurt that can come from being in relationship with people. As you were betrayed and abandoned and left, God, as, as you experienced all of that, God, your word will tell us that, that we have a high priest who's well acquainted with suffering. God, I thank you that as we come to you in these kinds of moments where, where we've been hurt or perhaps we've done some hurting, God, I thank you that you know what it means for us to be in the place that we're in. And God, over the last few years, God, we've dealt with hurt. We've dealt with pain. We, we've been hurt. Other people have hurt us. We've hurt other people. God, we, we've said some insensitive things and, and you know that we've been told some insensitive things. But yet, God, we read in your word that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling creation to you, 
but reconciling ourselves one to another, that your word will tell us how good and pleasant it is when the children of God dwell together in unity. So God, I pray for all of us gathered here today that, uh, that have our strained relationships. God, and we all do. God, I pray right now, God, that you would work inside each one of us today in each one of our lives, in each moment in our hearts right now, that, that as we look to, to see reconciliation, as we look to, to see our relationships with each other healed, as we look to see things set right where we haven't spoken in two years, when, and the last time we spoke, it was, we spoke, it was not good. God, the, the, the pain and the hurt that has taken place inside of our relationships as we look to see them healed. God, my prayer for me and my prayer for each one of us gathered here today, God, may that process begin with us. May you begin to set our hearts right. May you begin to show us places where we need to forgive. May you show us places where we haven't walked humbly. May you show us how to be vulnerable. May you show us how to pray for our friends, pray for our ex-friends. God, would you show us how to heal these relationships? God, would you speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. And God, even if, even if we're like Jacob and we have no intention of making things right, God, for the sake of our testimony and the sake of our relationship with you, God, would you begin to soften our hard hearts? God, where we feel justified, where we feel like we, we earned this righteous indignation, we earned this righteous anger, we earned this righteous hurt, God, would you soften our hearts so that we would be able to forgive because we've been forgiven so much. God, I pray that you would heal us today, heal our broken relationships. God, the places where we haven't spoke, the places where, where maybe we do speak, but we don't speak, we yell. God, the places where things are not good, the places where things are broken. God, would you heal us today? God, I thank you that each one of us has the testimony of healed relationship as we've been brought back into relationship with you. As we broke our relationship with you, God, you, you healed that relationship through the ultimate act of sacrifice and humility on the cross. God, would you allow us to bring that same heart to our broken relationships? In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. Oh yes, God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. I'm calling on the name. 
that changes everything. Oh yeah, yeah. God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. Cause all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. Oh, God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. He is up to something, He is up to something, God is doing something right now. He is up to something, He is up to something, God is doing something.